0: All right, let's let's uh, let's pray. Lord, you are you're calling all of us, as you've called Shua, to to be about being a disciple and making other disciples. That's that's given, no matter uh, where we are in our world. Whether we're high school, college, we work, whatever we do, you call all of us to be disciple makers, to, to, to follow after you, to walk in your way, and to come alongside others, to, to show, uh, to demonstrate, to proclimate what it means to be a citizen of your kingdom. And we realize it's a high calling. It's a calling that we, we can't do it without you and the Holy Spirit living in us. And we can't do it without each other. And you call us together to be disciples. And together to disciple each other and disciple other people. Lord, you call us to be salt and you call us to be light. And so often we're not sure what these metaphors even mean. And so, Lord, as we, as we go into this, this text in uh, Matthew 5, ones that we may have heard before, give us new insight. Give us new clarity. Give us new wisdom how we as individuals, but also we as a community, can live out our citizenship of the kingdom by living under your rule and your reign and demonstrating and proclamating your kingdom in this world, in that it's tangible and it is happening in the here and the now, and also the not yet. And so, Lord, speak to us about how we may live under your rule and your reign. We pray in your name. Amen. So last week, we kicked off this series called Citizen. Looking at uh, we and we in this series, we define a citizen as one is a member of a state or nation, especially one with a democratic, um, a republican form of government, who owes allegiance to it by birth, naturalization, and is entitled to full civil rights. We're kind of queuing We're kind of like living on the, the idea of what does it look like if you're a citizen of a nation or a state? It says you have allegiance to. And so we're kind of queuing on that idea, of like, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, we owe our allegiance to the king and the kingdom. And we, look, we owe allegiance above all other things, above all other nation states, above all other um, things that, that we are engaged in. The king and the kingdom is our high, highest allegiance. In fact, some would even say you can't even have multiple allegiances. You could only have one. And so we are saying no, the highest allegiance, the only allegiance that we have is to a king in this kingdom. And so we've been exploring what it looks like, and I think the primary text that we look at is what does it look like to to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God? To have king jesus as our king and to to live under his rule and his reign we go to matthew 5 the 7 the sermon on the mount i think that's like a quintessential text of what it looks like to be a disciple of jesus if i if somebody said hey if you could only give me one one scripture one area of scripture that and and nothing else and I have no idea what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Where would you send me? And I would say Matthew 5 to 7. This is like the quintessential text of being a disciple. And so last week we talked about the Beatitudes. We talked about how, and when you look at those Beatitudes, they're so fundamentally upside down than our culture, right? They're counter-cultural. I mean, you have... Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted. I mean, that list doesn't sound like blessed at all, right? It it sounds like cursed. You know? But here Jesus flips it upside down and saying to live the good life. Because that's the question. What's the good life? And the good life is these things. And so today we're continuing this idea of what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of god and so we're going to matthew five, thirteen to 16 matthew five, thirteen to 16 this is jesus you are the salt of the earth but the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men you are the light of the world a city on a hill cannot be hidden Neither do people light a lamp or put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So, I just broke your thing. That wasn't possible. It was the side of the road for you. Okay, all right. Well, hopefully it doesn't... I was looking at it from here. I got this other yeah. one over here. <laughs> it's <laughs> always an adventure here, isn't it? Yeah second you don't You
1: said some surprises. Yeah, it was a surprise even to me.
0: Have you ever heard the... There's this psychological study that was done... Where uh, it talked about self esteem in children. And, it, and, and the, the study was if a, if a child, mostly an elementary school child, heard one negative thing about that, it would take 10 positive things to counteract that one negative statement in order to keep kind of like their self esteem like level. So somebody would say something bad about them and they would go down. And then it was like, okay, now even back to that place they were before. It's gonna take ten positive statements about them to get it back to like where they were. My guess is teenagers is probably like twenty to one, right? One statement and then twenty good statements. Think about it though, children live into what they're named, right? If you tell a child that they're bad, long enough. They're going to believe it, and they're going to live into it. Think of also think of it like this: in the scriptures, Jesus had a, had a had. Sometimes he would rename people, right? Simon, Simon, you are no longer called Simon. You are called Peter. Simon, I looked it up, meant to be heard, while Peter was the rock. And if you saw what Peter was before Jesus really got a hold of him, I can almost see him now going, like, Jesus, like, really? You don't know me at all, because I am not a rock at all. But there's a sense that Jesus was naming him and calling him into something that he could be, as opposed to saying, Peter, you're just bad. No, Peter, you can be the rock calling him into his identity, calling him into what he can be. Now you're thinking, what does this even have to do with what we just read? But well, think about it. Jesus is seeking right there to give his followers an identity. Right? From that day on down through the years, he worked, he, Jesus not only to his disciples, not only to those who were sitting on that hill that day, but those who would seek to follow him from that day forward, down through the ages to our day and into the future. He's seeking to give citizens of his kingdom, kingdom identities, okay? Now, for those who are US citizens, the nation state of the United States Desires that our identity is that we're Americans, and and depending who you talk to, some would say that is your primary identification. You are an American. It's above everything else, and Americans are like this. But Jesus desires for those of us who seek to follow Him and His way to have citizen identity based on the kingdom. And what is that identity he gives? Well, look at it. He says, you are salt. You are light. Notice this. Notice a couple things. He doesn't say, you will be salt. You will be light. It's a given statement. You are salt. You are light. Not, you will be if you do X, Y, Z. Do you live into it or not? But the identity is still there. He, in, fact, in fact, when he says, you are salt, you are light, he's using the present tense. It's like a fact. Now, you may look at your life and go, <laughs> I'm no salt, I'm no light. But kingdom citizens, those who follow the way of King Jesus, live under his rule and his reign, are salt, are light. Now, You are salt, you are light, you are city set on the hill. But what does that even mean? Well, let's unpack that a little bit, shall we? So the first thing we see, that these metaphors of salt and light and city to the hill, Jesus just didn't, like, pull it out of the air, right? He just didn't, like, kind of, like, try to think, okay, what metaphor can I use? What, what can I talk about my people and their identity? He just didn't pull it from nowhere. He pulled it from somewhere. In fact, actually, what you'll find out is that these metaphors were used before. These metaphors were used especially about the people of Israel. And even with the city on the hill, there's a debate was he kind of referring to Jerusalem, or was he referring to another city that had, like, the, was the highest city in all of Israel, about three thousand feet above sea level? But so in Isaiah, in two places, forty-two, six. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for my people and a light. To the gentiles you are light seven chapters later 49 6 i will also make you a light for the gentiles that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth he's taking these metaphors that were to be about the people of israel a people who He had given a call to, from the beginning, Genesis chapter 12, you will be a blessing to all nations. You will be salt. You will be light. You will be a city set on a hill. And then we read all through the Old Testament how they didn't live up to that calling that he gave to them. They wanted to be like every other nation. They wanted to get a king instead of king, their king because God said, well, give them a king because they have rejected me as their king. And for all intent and purposes, they lost their saltiness. Their light had gone dim. The city set on a hill you couldn't tell was there. And so God then sends Jesus to take on that calling that the people of Israel did not fulfill. And so Jesus becomes the fulfillment of the people of Israel. So the second thing we see about this is that Jesus, in relation to these metaphors of light, especially, and salt, is Jesus is ultimately the the salt, ultimately the light, ultimately the one set on hill. He is light. He is salt. He is the one set up on a hill. City set on a hill? Jesus was crucified on a hill. For all the world to see. And so he lived these things in his life. He lived as salt. He lived as light. He lived as a city set on a hill. And so then he calls for you and I to the same thing. It's not like he would say, hey, do this, but I'm good. I'm not going to do it. He lived it, and he calls us to live it. He went first so that we can follow. Because think about it. If someone says to you, hey, can you do this? And you're like, have you done it? Well, no, 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 no. I don't want to do it. But you should do it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna follow you. Like if you're telling me to do something you're not willing to do, I'm not gonna do it. He's not like that. He calls us to the same identity that he has to be salt, to be light. Our identity has salt and light. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be salt? Now, salt in that day, in that age, was a precious commodity. It was worth a lot. In fact, Roman soldiers were sometimes paid in salt. Can you imagine that now? Like, somebody hands you a bag of salt. There's your pay for the week. You're like, great, thanks. In fact, actually, I, and I don't know, I, I've kind of heard this statement, worth their weight in salt. You ever hear that statement? That's where it comes from. Because they were paid in salt. Because it was precious. As a disciple, you are precious. You are a son and a daughter of the beloved. You are a son and daughter of King Jesus. Holy and perfectly loved as you are and he desires the best for you. And so you are precious. What does it mean to be salt? Salt in that day was used as a preservative. Okay? If you you know, don't, you can't think freezer refrigerator, dirt, they don't exist. And so how do you preserve meat from going bad? You put salt on it. And a lot of salt. And it it slows the decaying process of that meat down. If we are salt, as disciples, we are to help slow the decaying process of our world and our culture. It almost tends to so not to get like negative, but the day you were born was the day you started to die, right? You got one, like, I know it's like, wow, great. Thanks for bringing it all down. But like, that's true. Every day we get clo- one day closer to when we die. In, in kind of the same way, the culture is going the same way. And so as followers of Jesus, are calling to be salt is to slow the decay down, slow the rotting process down. What does it mean to be salt? Well, in that day, salt, and today, salt was used to flavor food. Right? When we add salt to something, it goes from bland to more flavorful. And so as disciples of Jesus, we are to be flavorful people, not bland. I sometimes feel like Christians are the most bland people in the world. Right? We need to throw some salt around. We need to be more flavorful. You are light. Again, light was a precious commodity in that day. You can't just walk into a room at night and flip on a light and boom, there it is. Have you ever been a place where there wasn't any electricity? Even now like what happens? Everybody goes to bed or you have candles, right? Light is a precious commodity at that time. Again, you are a precious commodity. You are light. A light allows us to see, right? Normally when the lights go out, you got to when the light when the, when the you know, it gets dark, you've got to turn on the light to see. Otherwise, you end up stubbing your toe, breaking your toe, smacking something, walking into the wall because you can't see. When we live as the light, we aren't the light, right? We don't. We're not the light. Jesus is the light. When we live in his way, when we love, live, serve, bless, others will see the light in us. And what does the end of the text say? And they will glorify God. It's not that you will get glorified. When you you love like he loved, when you serve like he served, when you live in his way, it's not about getting kudos for yourself. It's not about getting patted on the back. Man, you just are amazing. No, no. Anything you see good in me, the way that I'm living, it's because of Jesus living in and through me. And lastly, oh, fourthly, sorry. The thing that's common between salt and light is this. They don't exist for themselves. Salt and light is best when it's poured out, when it's turned on. Salt has value when it's applied to other things, like oh, this soup, I need a little salt. It's actually gotta be poured into it. It can't just, oh, there it is, it's sitting in a bottle. Good, it has to be applied. We, I mean, maybe you guys are strange and you do this. Maybe you just take the little salt container and just go like this, pour it down yourself. I, I've never seen it. I, wouldn't, I don't think any of you do that, no. But the other day, yesterday, my lunch consisted of spring onions from the garden and I put salt down and I dip it in it and I eat. what was my lunch yesterday. You didn't want to be around me, okay, because my breath was horrendous. Or, you go to, and you go to put uh, hamburgers together. Well, we normally put salt on it before you put it on, on the grill. Or, on, you put butter and salt on corn on the cob, right? It's to be applied to something else to bring out that flavor. It's, it's putting others before yourself. It's putting their needs before your very own. It's, we used this word a couple months ago. Um, we used this word kenosis or kenotic. This, this word kenosis is this idea of uh, self-emptying. And is referred to Jesus. He self-empties. In Philippians chapter 2, Who, being very nature God, did not set her equality with God. Something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on the cross. To be a kingdom citizen, to be salt and light, is to be like Jesus. And Jesus was self-empty and calls us to that same self empty. And lastly, something that I think most of us probably miss in this conversation. Three simple letters in this text. Y-O-U. You are salt. You are light. Those of us who have grown up in a Western culture understanding, we think it is you and you and you and you as an individual. You are salt. You are light. That's not what this text is saying. This Y O U, this you, is plural. You all, yins, you guys, whatever, wherever culture you understand, you know, like that, like whatever you use to make you plural. That's what it is. It's plural. As individuals disconnected from each other, we lose our saltiness. We lose our light. But together, in community, and this is what this text is saying, in community you are salt. In community you are light. In community... You are a city set on a hill. Think about it, a city. You can't be a city alone, right? There's no one, one house, that's not a city. I, I, so if you ever get a chance to go to uh, Lake Placid, you go up the highway, you get off the highway and you head towards Lake Placid and there's this sign and it says, entering the town of Keene. And you keep driving and there's no houses. And then it says, You are leaving the town of Keene, and you're like, Where was that town? I'm sure there's a town somewhere, but I don't ever find it. You can't be a town alone. You can't be a city alone. You've got to be in community to have a city, to have a town. To be salt and to be light, you need each other. In fact, actually, a commentary said this, salt is most effective in its work with, when it's used with other elements. In culinary matters, salt works in tandem with other food to bring out the best flavor. For many sacrifices described in the Bible, salt accompan- accompanies the sacrifice meat or food. And then they shift, the commentator shift gears and says, as a metaphor, light also functions somewhat communally. That is, in the absence of anything else, light serves little function. Rather, for light to be most effective, it must be emerge within a poorly illuminated environment to brighten that which already exists so that it may be perceived by others in that space. We're called to be salt and light together, to preserve, to bring flavor, to bring light in this world. We do this together. And when we do, Jesus shines like that city on a hill where we can then point others. See that up there? See him? This is what it's about so let me let me finish by one more quote that i found that i think helps us unpack what this means jesus makes the connections between salt and light and righteousness explicit in verse 16 jesus declares that we too we too ought to be light like a city on a hill that uncovered lamp we too ought to reflect the goodness of god so that others might see the shape of god's goodness and thus be grateful to God. Notice that the light in this metaphor does not belong to us, but it's an overflow of God's grace. Our good works are not ours in that we do not belong to us, for we are not the source of good works. We are only the conduits of God's righteousness, symbols pointing to greater reality, signposts lighting the way to God's righteousness, not our own. Yes, we may serve as the light of the world, But the conduit of glory for such light is not us or our own achievement. That glory belongs to your Father in heaven. So you are salt. You are light. You are a city set on a hill.